All right, welcome to Dungeons and Dumb Shit. I'm everybody's favorite walking carpet, Chewbacca. I'm Bill Fortuna. And joining us this week is my hetero life mate, the Han to my Chewy, the always scruffy, always hurting those nerfs, Stephen Blair. Thanks for joining <laughs> us, man. What's up? May the force be with you. May it be with us all. All, all right, and if you couldn't tell from our intros and the force talk, uh, this week we're covering The Wars, the uh, everyone's favorite trilogy. Not of the ring, but, you know, of the, of the stars. <laughs> so uh, here we go. Yeah, Star Wars, the original trilogy, not the prequels or sequels or cartoons or stories or whatever you want to call them. So we're going to get into A New Hope and The Empire Strikes Back and uh, The Return of the Jedi. Yeah, there's just there's so much Star Wars that it's just easier to, to siphon it off into different things we oh. could talk about. Totally. We're probably going to talk for an hour just on this. And we could do, we could do episodes on every movie by themselves, to be honest, but we'll try to break it down into just the, you know, and in the future we'll do the sequels. We'll do the prequels. We'll talk about cartoons. We'll talk about the Mandalorian because it's everybody's favorite thing right now. Baby Yoda forever. Caravan of courage. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I will also say me and and Steven talked, discussed this earlier. The holiday special totally counts. OG trilogy. That's like, (laughs) of course. I mean, come on. Yeah. That's everybody's favorite. You know, the first sign of freaking Boba Fett. Come on. All right. So I figure, so what's, uh, we all know who Star Wars is. We all know who, uh, everyone, if you've not seen Star Wars, I'm not sure what rock you lived in or, uh, what planet you come from. But yeah, Star Wars, New Hope, also known as episode four, came out in 1977. (laughs) Um, huge deal. You know, I feel like everybody knows George Lucas kind of had this idea, uh, after the success of American Graffiti, he was able, thanks to Alan, Alan Ladd Jr., get a little little momentum and get his dream project done. You know, he uh, if you don't know, he, he had all of them kind of conceptualized and ready to go before he made A New Hope. But he, he always intended to do a trilogy. Uh, but after he wrote it, it was just too long. He was like, well, I have to do these in parts because I can't make a six-hour movie. No one's going to watch that. I mean, we would watch that because we sit <laughs> we and would, that. We would, for sure. But yeah. back, back in the 70s, that was kind of an unheard of thing. So, you know, it got released to, we all know, uh, now, just huge, huge reception. Blew up. It was the highest grossing movie uh, ever at that, at that point in time, um, which is amazing for a science fiction movie, you know. Uh, especially then, in the 70s, science fiction was really dark and really kind of um, a characteristic of the time. You know, we had coming off the Vietnam War, uh, coming off just kind of a lot of America's fears, and science fiction was very dark. So, you know, science, Star Wars is gritty and has some darkness to it, but I think it also has a lot of hope, you know, hence the new hope. So we all know that came out then. Uh, then he, he followed it up after it was successful. He pretty much wrote a blank check. Everyone knows the uh, the epic, let me keep the merchandising rights that he got to keep um, to make himself a billionaire. But uh, the Greatest decision ever. You know, though, yep. if you once you look into, there's a really good documentary called The Empire of Dreams where he discusses he only did that to ensure that he'd be able to make the other two movies. He wanted to have the creative freedom and the rights to do it. He didn't want a studio to have them. And then they kind of decide, ah, that's not what we want to do. Or let's just rehash Star Wars and make another movie. That's just like this and try to lighten in a bottle. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Just to see if we can catch it twice. And uh, which never would have worked. We, we, I, don't think, I think it would have been a horrible flop and we wouldn't have the universe that we have today. So I'm really glad uh, he kept that independent filmmaker side and kind of makes Steven can kind of understand and appreciate this. It didn't come from a, I want to make more money. This is my project. Well, it came from, this is my project, but not, Hey, 
I'm trying to just make as much money. It came from, I don't want studios telling me what to do. You know, I'm an independent filmmaker and the people who don't know, I mean, you know, Billy, you were in our first movie, but like, that's how me and Steven started. I mean, he's made way more movies than I did, but originally we just wanted to make something we thought was cool, you know, and yeah. took a camera, we sat down and we made a movie <laughs> and uh, we thought it was okay. People were like, it's so cutting edge and so awesome. You guys have this one shot. <laughs> we're like, uh, yeah, because we didn't have a choice. But um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was kind of Lucas's mentality. You know, uh, he wanted to get out there and just make what he wanted to make. He wanted to see a movie, you know, and that gave us Star Wars, some of the most iconic characters of all time and of course followed up with empire strikes back 1980 different director you know i think i think uh he also learned a lot that he struggled a great deal with producing and directing and having the writing duties and being in charge because i mean i think both of you can kind of understand this you know from being a dm or other other creative things you've done once you conceptualize something and it's yours it's really hard to let someone else take control of that thing, even though it's like, no, this is mine. We're going to do it this way. Um, oh yeah. And I think that's what Lucas's problem was. He struggled so much with that, that he knew someone else has to direct this. So especially something that big, once oh, yeah. it got that big, he had to be panicking at what a studio might do to it. Oh yeah. So, you know. That and just like, 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 you know, like, like, like he says, it was, um, he had to be hospitalized. Like it was so much stress and worry. And there were so many problems on the set. Like, because if you think about it, and um, this is something probably you, Billy's, Billy knows a lot about with all your, uh, liking all the puppets and stuff. A lot of the things and the effects in this movie were made up for this movie. Like, he made oh, yeah. ILM solely to make Star Wars, <laughs> you know? And it, none of the shots were even done until the end, you know what I mean? So, so many things were never done before. Uh, yeah, and one of the asteroids is definitely a potato. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure one of the spaceships is for sure a shoe. Yeah, it's a Nike. I forget what it's called, but it's a, it's a Nike. Yeah, just floating around in space, spray painted up dark gray. <laughs> but like you said, you, in that independent filmmaker's mindset, that guerrilla filmmaking mindset, you, you make what you, what you have work. And that's uh, so what they did. It just happened to turn in into an epic space opera. You know, thank goodness for the rest of us. It didn't turn into like a cheesy, what, what I would call now a sci-fi picture you know what i mean and not like the genre but like the channel like oh that's for sure a sci-fi movie yeah <laughs> there's there's a boom mic holding a spaceship in the back and it's just bobbing up and down but it's going through space that's a battle yeah he may he may not have had the biggest budget for a new hope but you can look at the sets alone and see that he had thought about everything in the universe he could think of for that scene like the sets you could spend hours just uh, just looking at each individual set and finding little details oh yeah well they got really lucky i mean like i said he it's crazy because when you talk about george lucas's like friends like francis ford Coppola was one of his friends (laughs) yeah spielberg and spielberg is like his oh spielberg's huge this is my homie we went to school together what get out of here you know what i mean like it's not like he was like, okay, I live in my mom's basement in the middle of the country. I mean, he had a good group of people to help him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, they were like a directing rat pack for that era. Oh, yeah. Totally. Sure. So, I mean, there was a lot of a lot of stress, but it came out. It came to fruition, and it was something I think that people had never seen, but that the world needed, you know? And then, of course, he followed it up. Um, Empire Strikes Back, 1980, directed by Irvin Kershner. Uh, like I said, he handed those duties off. Uh, Kershner was actually one of his professors in college, you know, and he was like, well, I mean, he'd never directed a, a big budget movie. He'd never directed a, what, we, what we would call a blockbuster. It was all kind of smaller, more atmospheric films. Well, he um, did a good job on this one. Well, that's what, I think it's what it needed. <laughs> like, you know, it's yeah. um, the middle movie. You know, it needed to be 
the middle movie in a trilogy has to carry the whole trilogy on its back. You have to be a continuation of the first movie and you have to be strong enough to lead into the final movie, yeah. you know, even though we've done sequels now, but Jedi is the final, you know I mean? It has to have that crescendo. You need that crazy buildup and then that payoff and uh, the middle movie has to carry it all. So I think being such a different type of film really impacted the story overall because Kirshner was more of a character director. You know, his movies really hone in on characters and building characters up. Whereas Lucas is more of a world builder where you got all of it and you get, you get the atmosphere and Kirshner keeps that atmosphere, but he really develops those characters and makes them their own in a way. I think that was really beneficial to make them so iconic. Yeah. It was like the perfect pairing. Oh, for sure. Lucas, I oh, yeah. mean, yeah. I think that's one of the reasons why Empire was, is, in my opinion, considered the best middle trilogy movie there is. Because like you said, I mean, it, it leads so well into Jedi. Because, I mean, it, it leaves off at a place that's not quite a cliffhanger, but you are going to watch Jedi. There's yeah. no way you're not, you know. There's no there's no real ending to Empire. It's just, it's a setup. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, I think that was the best benefit of star wars doing so well the studio made more money that year of star wars than they ever did so they gave him like four times the budget for empire it was pretty much go out and do whatever you want and he they went over time took too long you know they had to rush there's a lot of still at the end but it gave lucas that freedom to say all right build the world you know go with it and of course he finishes up we've talked about it with return of the jedi originally named well not originally named it was originally named return of the jedi then they were like, eh, and it was turned to Revenge of the Jedi um, until the last possible minute, uh, directed by Richard Marquand. Again, Lucas handed off the directorial duties, and as most, I think it was for the best. You know, it made for a really strong final film. Really good scenes in that movie. A lot of strong, seeing strong characters in Luke. You got all the characters growing to who they are, to like, you know, Leia is becoming like this leader and Han becomes this leader. And you get to see Luke finally become a confident Jedi and you get some really good, just, uh, it's a really good climax. Like, oh, okay. Okay. You know, and it's like, all right, it paid off. It's a good payout. It was. Oh yeah. You sit back. If you've never, if you only first time watching the series or watching the trilogy, you sit back at the end of the Jedi and you just shake your head. Like, yeah, I've been through some shit now. Yeah, I mean, I did that until they, change the force ghost to Hayden Christensen but before that yeah it's okay we just don't watch that one yeah we just fast forward <laughs> you know it's what George Lucas wanted I don't know uh, I think it's silly but that's what they wanted um all right so yeah so that's kind of the nuts and bolts of it you know the, the dates you got 1977 1980 and then 1983 um of course for me I wasn't born until the last one I know Billy wasn't born at all um didn't even exist no you were not like you <laughs> quite thought of until that last one Heck, our parents weren't even married until 84, so, uh, or maybe end of it. And they got married in 83, but just before Star Wars, so there was no you. I know for me, it was cool because in the 90s, they did the re-release uh, into the theaters over the course of a couple months in the summer. And uh, my uncle, he's kind of a weirdo now, but he took me to those when I was a kid. And that really, for me, was my first experience with Star Wars. You know, um, you didn't have the big, there wasn't, you couldn't go out and rent a lot of movies in the early eighties. Not without like, you know, home video technology really hadn't hit that spot yet. It wasn't as it is now. You know what I mean? Uh, luckily we're from the generation and you know, Steven is too. I mean, Billy is too. We did this when we were kids where you had to like rent VCRs and stuff. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Remember those giant suitcases you get for like the video store and it had like that top load VCR. Um, yep. And I'm sure I saw it sometimes on the home TV. 
but that was for me the first time I got to see Star Wars. Luckily, was in a theater, you know, and a lot of kids didn't have that. You know, they didn't have an opportunity to see it from my generation. Older people who grew up with it, of course, were there originally. I can't say that I was. I know you're a little bit older, Stephen. You might have caught a couple of them in the theater originally. Uh, according to my mom, she said we went and watched Episode Four in the dollar movies a little bit after I was born. I don't think that checks out. <laughs> but but I know that we my mom took me to see Empire and Jedi when I was a little kid because she's got some pictures but I don't remember any of them. Well, yeah, I'm like the first time I saw them in theater was in the 90s. I've never seen them in the theater. Oh my god, never it was we waited in line like I think I waited in line 9 hours to get tickets for a new hope. Like it was a huge event and we freaking dressed up and this was like before like Amazon. So we like all like hunted down and tried to home our robes and my uh lightsaber was a broomstick stuffed down in a vacuum cleaner handle that i wrapped a bunch of stuff in and spray painted <laughs> but i was there in costume in line like i didn't care that's awesome i mean i was like eight so i didn't go all crazy no. like that. <laughs> uh, i think the first time i saw star wars was actually uh, was our godmother growing up sherry she had the VHS tapes yeah. of the, uh, it wasn't the special editions, but it was the one right before that, the 90s. I don't think it was the 94 mm-hmm. special editions. I think it was the one right before that. But I remember seeing it with like the half face on the VHS of uh, the Stormtrooper and Vader and um, Yoda. And that's the one she had. I mm-hmm. remember watching them then. God, if you could find that set now, it's worth so much money. I have the original trilogy on VHS pre any uh, messing around with it somewhere. I have a copy of that too. I actually have thanks to you, the only DVD copies where they're, they're unedited for the second time in my life. My, my little brother there. That's my gold first, if you ask me. My first copies got sold. Yeah. You know, and a lot of fans get mad about the edits, and some of it is annoying, but a lot of it, I mean, you know, for someone who's made a movie, and I think you can speak to this too, Stephen, if, when you have an idea of what you want your movie to be, and you can't do that financially or time. The technology didn't exist. Or technology. Yeah. Like, I can't. I really can't fault him um, for wanting to go in and finalize and finally get that what he had imagined. You know what I mean? Like after I know as a fan, I mean we can speak to this too. Some of the Star Wars fandom is probably the most toxic fandom there is. I mean, if, if we're sure. being honest, they, yeah, I'm almost ashamed to call myself a Star Wars fan at sometimes because of how toxic they are. But as a, just a as a person who's i'm not gonna call myself a filmmaker but the person who's been involved in the, the process of making a film or i have written a movie that i've seen made to a film you always watch it and go man i wish i could have done that or you know what i mean like so having yeah. the technology available to go back and be like hey all those wishes i'm gonna make that stuff happen i'm not gonna hate oh, you yeah. for that you know what i mean like that's as a filmmaker that was what that was his idea so really the totally edited special editions that's what george lucas wanted from from jump street you know we're just people in star wars get so butthurt if you change anything like how how dare you edit my movie? Really, they're George Lucas's movies, and he wants to edit them. He can do so if he pleases. They're his idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, really, there's some Japanese dudes' ideas, but you know, whatever. <laughs> Kira Kurosawa. <laughs> yeah. Yellow <laughs> Kurosawa. Don't, don't get me wrong. I I love and will watch the current versions day in and day out. But it's a little bit of nostalgia for me when I can catch one of the original cuts, you know, and notice some of the things. Oh, yeah. I actually kind of like like a lot of the stuff he did just kind of filled out some of the world it really wasn't obtrusive or anything you know no, it was like background stuff yeah. filling out other aliens and beasts and the most uh the cantina scene and yeah you know outside of it it, it was nothing that really bothered me no and if you if you watch again watch empire dreams all the cast talks about the way lucas described it even in the 70s they were all let down 
when they went into it because you know the the actors and the makeup all that stuff they did it just wasn't anywhere near what george lucas had described like when he was when he would talk about what the cantina scene was what we saw in the original was just kind of you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Even Mark Hamill was like, and Carrie Fisher said it too. You walked in, you're like, oh man. Then you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it just wasn't what he had pictured, you know? And and honestly, having uh, another thing we, we kind of need to touch on is just having the way he went about getting it made, like having the art made and the storyboard and just the kind of conceptualizations that he did before he even got the picture greenlit lended itself so well to just building up your imagination so you know the actors were like our hopes for it were really high and then you see it and it's like oh okay yeah ralph mccrory's uh, concept <laughs> art is so good oh, oh yeah so just... good they even used it for backgrounds in the oh, movie yeah. yeah i mean i would frame any piece of that i could get and hang it on a wall in oh, I mean, for sure if i could get original mccrory's oh original <laughs> I'd cut off a leg. I'm going to frame it behind three feet of glass. Like, don't even breathe on it. Dude, look at that. It's Ralph McCoy original. I mean, I tried that on our last film. Uh, I drew out some of the scenes with watercolors and stuff just to kind of paint some atmosphere just because when you watch the behind the scenes on Star Wars and you see how good that concept art is, you feel like it helps the actors, you know? Well, actually, it's crazy. Like, there's a really cool scene, again, in Empire Dreams because... I watched that most recently. Anthony Daniels is sitting there talking and he's sitting there waiting to go audition for 3PO. And when the door opens, he saw Ralph McQuarrie's concept art of them behind the desk. The person who was, who was, you know, interviewing, it was like Lucas and uh, it might've been Francis Ford Coppola. It was somebody else, another director. They were, they were doing casting at the same time. That'd be so, intimidating. But he said that when he saw it, the way the eyes are drawn, like he it just drew him in and it let him kind of like create the entire 3PO character in his head before he even went in and auditioned for it, before he was that character, you know what I mean? Which is really cool. Like you said, it, it lends itself to really building up the world because now you have a visualization. You're reading it. Lucas, you know, and both of you, we're all excited fans. We're all creative people. When you describe something that you're creating that's in your brain, your description's like, oh my God, it's going to be like this. It's going to be so awesome. You know, you're doing all this crazy, like <laughs> really detailed description. Really, it's probably like a stick figure, but man, he's holding this thing <laughs> and there's fire and blah, blah, blah. You know, and you're all excited. But the creative person, any creative person describing their creation is going to get lend itself so much stronger to helping you visualize what it should be versus someone else telling you about it. You know I mean? Like, oh, okay, well, uh, he says blah, blah, blah. You know, and so I think it really just lend itself to creating just all of Star Wars. Not only did it did that, it really helped him get it greenlit. Yeah. Because he had that concept art and he could show this these landscapes and these worlds and the way McQuarrie drew scale, how it'd be like little tiny figures in this huge desert landscape. Oh, it's yeah. like, this movie's going to be epic. And it really just, like I said, it opened the door for him. And the cast was just, I, I don't want to say perfect. It was perfect to me. I think everyone yeah, did an yeah. amazing job to play the character. They figured out their character and played it well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. And, like, it's crazy, like, because, you know, Lucas wanted, like, unknowns, which was another kind of big, big issue for them. The studio was like, oh, we got to get a big actor. You know, you need somebody to carry this role. And originally, he refused to cast Harrison Ford. Yeah. He hired Harrison mm -hmm. Ford to read lines with other people. And that was it. Until finally, Harrison Ford just sold him on, I am Han Solo. Oh, man. Can you imagine somebody other than Harrison Ford? Oh, no. I think they were looking no. at Tom Selleck at one point. Yeah, Tom Selleck. You know, Kurt Russell read for Luke. That's There's footage of, of him interviewing his Luke. Just like <laughs> it's either Luke or Han. It's one of the characters. I'm, I'm not sure of the line right now, but I'm just like that would be terrible. Oh my gosh, that'd be so terrible. <laughs> I mean, you can always. It's always hindsight's twenty twenty. Like yeah, there. But I mean, really, in this case, I can't imagine, especially the the core four, because obviously 
Chewie is made by, you know. Oh, yeah. Peter just made him because, I mean, even just the way he carried himself. Yeah. You know, I think those core four were the casting of the century. Totally, totally. I feel like the way they carry themselves. And really, you know, for who Carrie Fisher is, with who her parents are and where she comes from, she kind of is like Hollywood or was. Because her mom was like that Hollywood starlet, like that era where she she still had that kind of like mystique and and air about her. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. she was that princess, you know what I mean? Like she had that. And Hamill really was that young, kind of naive guy. And, you know, uh, Harrison Ford was that, like, I've done some stuff. I got a little experience. Like, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? That little, like, that's cool. I've done some stuff. You know, that little Yeah, he brought guy. a little swagger. You know, mm-hmm. and then <laughs> Peter Mayhew, he talks about, like, all he did was stand up. <laughs> and Lucas was like, yep, we found Chewbacca. <laughs> he, 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 he said he was working in a hospital at the time, and he went for an interview, or for an audition, rather. And he said, being British and where I come up from, when someone enters a room, we stand up. It's just what we do as a you know, respectful thing. And so he stood up and like Lucas looked over at Kazan and was like, yeah, he's Chewbacca. Like that was, that was it. <laughs> he didn't have to do anything else. I mean, not that you speak or anything, you know what I mean? Your whole character growls and yeah, makes bear yeah. noises. You should uh, tell the story about how Peter Mayhew told you you should be Chewbacca. Oh, at, yeah. uh, Lex- in Lexington, the yeah, same day meet- we met Billy D. Williams. Meeting him was awesome. He just thought I was tall enough to be a Wookiee, but I was not his size. <laughs> he was, like, I will say, like, and I've only met him the once. Um, I got some buddies who have met him multiple times, like, and went to his house and stuff because they're also Wookiees. In the 501st and Rebel Legion, they dress as Wookiees. Um, nicest guy ever. You know, he was showing us his lightsaber canes and just really personable. And, like, you would never know that this dude is freaking Chewbacca. Like, it took, in, in the nerd culture, you are famous. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Maybe not to everybody. Yeah. I'm going to know. If I see Peter Mayhew anywhere, I'm going to immediately know who that person is. Yeah, for sure. You know oh, what I mean? Like, doubt. holy crap, it's Peter Mayhew. Oh, my gosh. And then I can't <laughs> I can't make a Wookiee sound. But I'm going to try. and be like, can I have an autograph? Or not even an autograph. Can I just get a photo with you because you're Peter Mayhew? Um, yeah. Even for me, I love meeting people taller than me in general. But to also be Peter Mayhew is just awesome. Um, yeah, for the, the listeners, uh, Bob is 6'10". Yeah. And looks like a giant Viking. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm also like weight wise, too, of Peter Mayhew, but, you know, besides the point, I could have been Tarful maybe. <laughs> I did for a long time have Billy's uh, friends convinced I was in episode three as a Wookiee. Yeah. Yeah. They <laughs> were like, dumb, though. They were like, for real? I was like, yeah. Yeah. I went out there and I auditioned. And I'm, a, I'm an extra. I'm a Wookiee in Star Wars. Didn't, and, and I didn't help me either. I just 100% agreed with you. Yeah. It was yeah. him. He was in it. Yeah. Totally. It made me famous for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I always want to do a Wookiee, but the costume is like seven grand. So I just can't, I can't, uh, I have too many kids and I'm a teacher, so I can't bring myself to spend seven grand on a costume. But being a Wookiee would be super rad. I think it's actually better that you're a Jawa because any tall dude can be a Wookiee, but True, you're man, the world's biggest Jawa. Uh, so far, yeah. Even that's though there's great. a dude that's a Wookiee that wants to make a Jawa and he'll be, he's seven foot four. I'm like, that's not cool, man. They got still my thunder. Uh, but yeah. All right, guys. So um, let's get on a little more. A little more in-depth, a little more personal uh, responses to this. I kind of want to, you know, everybody has this conversation. You hear it all the time. And if you're looking at the original series of films, the original trilogy, uh, which one's kind of your favorite? You know, let's um, let's kind of talk about that for a minute, what our favorite one is, and just tell me why. Well, Steven's the guest. He can go first. Yeah. Well, that's Empire. I mean, Empire is the one that since I was a little kid and had him on VHS, that's the one I would pop in. And that's just, even as an adult with a more critical eye to film, I look at Empire and it's just the 
the one that I gravitate towards. I love them all. And there's parts of all of them that are considered my favorite parts. But as a whole film, from beginning to end, Empire's just got everything in it. Like when a lot of times, if a person, you say, hey, what you think of a Star Wars scene, they're going to think of something from Empire. It has yeah. the most kind of character-driven scenes, though. What about you, Oh, Billy? absolutely. Uh, hands down, Empire Strikes Back is the best one. <laughs> it has to be. I mean, it's you really get to see the Emperor for the first time. Uh, you get yeah. to meet Yoda for the first time. I mean, he's your favorite, the, too, right? The Battle of Hoth is amazing. Oh, epic. Oh, dude, getting getting at was the best. Like, the, the best. best. <laughs> I mean, even people that haven't seen Star Wars can reference the uh, tow rope takedown oh, yeah. of the... Totally. Yeah. And a hundred other movies have copied that. Yeah, I mean, um, well, I guess I'm going to be like you two. It's fine. Empire is the same for me, but for, like, so many reasons. Like you said, so many reasons. Like So many. Oh, yeah. You really you get to see Yoda for the first time. Like you go on, you finally see, you see more aliens, like the Wampas and the Tauntauns and that, the Adats showing up. And you get to see more of the Empire's might, not just stormtroopers who can't hit anything, which was really cool oh, and for the, me. the space, they go so much more into space. And, and Oh yeah, and blowing up the Death Star, and it was just like, what? You know, in case, you know, spoiler alert, if you've never seen Star Wars, they blow up the Death Star. Like the Titan, <laughs> the Titan, Twice. It, it sinks. Vader um, ship, the Executor. Yeah, you see, you see Vader yeah. in a space battle. Massive. Here. Well, you know what I mean? Like, in, well, even just seeing Vader in the space battles. It's like, what, Vader? So, but for me, it's also the first time you see Boba Fett. Uh, first time you see Lando. Yeah. You know what I mean? Any of the uh, bounty hunters. Yeah, Lando is, yeah. he's like a huge character. You know what I mean? Meeting Billy D. Williams, 100% was a pimp in the 60s. I don't care what anybody yeah, says. For sure. <laughs> Whenever we met him, he was still trying to mack on girls. He was like, yeah. He's, he's super smooth all the time. And he's oh, a spokesman yeah. for Colt 45. That dude's a G. Anyway, it was awesome. You know what I mean? And you had all that. And this, I felt like it really, really sold the whole trilogy for me. And then we have to talk about the most iconic scene slash the most misquoted line in any movie ever. <laughs> you, know, you know, I was telling one of y'all earlier, no one on set knew that Darth Vader was Luke's father. They didn't tell Mark no. Hamill until right before, they, right before they shot the scene. And the best thing is, the guy in Vader has no idea. So he's just talking some other line. Yeah, Mark Cable, had no clue. Yeah, none. So D- yeah. Mark Hamill had to I think the line was, Obi-Wan killed your father. Yeah. That was the line he told him to say. And he's all like, no. But really, he knows that I have to I have to react in a way that I've just been told the most crazy information ever. Like, it's not in, it's not in the original script. It's got a false page. That's like, I mean, now we all know. But, like, imagine as a kid, you see that for the first time. You're just like, What? What? You know what I mean? And even now, people are like, oh, I would have called that. We only would expect it no, now because we've seen that we've seen that trope so many times since Star yeah. Wars. But I mean, since in, that came out, you've been watching movies for 20 years. Yeah, in the 80s, You're going to see it at least a couple times. 1980, there wasn't a lot of that. You're just like, no way. And then, of course, you see, like, the hand getting lopped off. It's just crazy. You know, it's crazy. But it's, I don't know. Like I said, it's 100% for me, it's Empire. And like I said, I think most people usually argue between Empire or Jedi. Almost no one ever says a new hope's their, their favorite. You know, whatever. But <laughs> that's I mean, intro. I love I mean, It's not a bad movie. No, it's great. But, I love all but of them. But Empire and Jedi are yeah. better. Like I said, I love yeah. Boba Fett. I mean, I got a Mandalorian costume on the way. Not from the Mandalorian, but just a Mandalorian. And Boba Fett's the first time you see that. You know what I mean? Like, he's he's in the top five most famous bad guys. And he's on screen for, like, five minutes. I think yeah. he, has, he has five lines ever. And one mm-hmm. of them is, ah. Yeah. Yeah, he gets taken out accidentally yeah. by a like, blind Han Solo. He's, he's so popular. They had to write into the books that he climbs out of the Sarlacc pit. You know yeah. what I mean? 
two times because he's so popular. Well, uh, even that, apparently, in canon now, it, he's going to climb out of the Starlight Pit because yeah. he's supposed to be in Mandalorian Season 2. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Spoiler a lot. Rumor me. Um, oh, I mean, but I hope so. It's a rumor. I'm going I'm to jump out myself. I'm just going to jump right out my seat when that happens. I don't even care. I'm going to revert back to, like, 13 years old. <laughs> I don't Dude, care. I he shows up it. in the armor. Cool thing is, is, like, they've already made him canon, but they made him say, like, in the Clone Wars cartoon, it's a little bit of a tangent, but they say that they're not Mandalorian. So I want him to go into that. But that's a different episode for a different day. we got to stay to the original trilogy. I can talk about the Mandalorian <laughs> for two hours. Oh, yeah. So many rumors and spoilers. And, oh, my gosh. Never mind. Okay. Well, let me ask you all this, since we all – Empire's, you know, our movie. What's your favorite moment from Empire? Not the most surprising, but just your favorite. The moment that you want the film to get to every time you watch it. For me, it's seeing Yoda for the first time. My favorite mm-hmm. moment in the whole film. Because, you know, as a kid, I remember, like, look at this little green monster. It's being <laughs> silly, smacking R2 with a light, and hitting Luke with a little cane. <laughs> and it's like, this isn't Yoda. He's going to take him to Yoda, though. Holy shit, this is Yoda. Yeah, the baddest Jedi of all time. 900 years old. And he's a freaking yeah. goon. <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous. That's the, to me, that's the greatest expectation subversion of all time. Because you're just like, just like Billy said, like, that's this weird little green imp thing. What's up with this weird de- deformed Kermit? I don't know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah. And he talks all backwards and stuff. I don't know. It's crazy. Um, That's hard for me, man. Like, um, there's so much in Empire that is such a good scene. And so, uh, I, honestly, for me, the, my favorite part, I'd say, is Luke's battle with Vader slash himself on Dagobah. Like, I think that is the culmination mm, yeah. of, of Luke's path to becoming a Jedi. You know, when he sees that, and it kind of shows him this, if you follow this path, this wrong, this dark path, you are Darth Vader. You know what I mean? And, of course, it's also a little bit of foreshadowing of shadows for me. And now, looking back now, he, you you are the same. You know what I mean? That's your dad. And I think that's what we're yeah. doing. Yeah. What about you, Stephen? Um, so, it's a little cheesy, but I always loved the part when uh, they go in to have dinner with Lando. And Vader's sitting there, and Han doesn't say anything. Every other action movie that I've ever seen, there's dialogue. No, Hans just starts blasting, and Vader's like, nope, stop. <laughs> he stops these bolts with his hand and then says, sit down. Like, to me, that's there's so much badass in that. Han's badass. Vader's badass. I'm cheesy that, as hell, and I just love oh, that. Oh, that's not even cheesy. That's 100%. Like, that's a even valid. at the same time, it's kind of rude. Vader made him dinner, <laughs> and he's just going to shoot at him. He's blasting on him. What about the rules of hospitality, chunk? God, that, that wouldn't fly in the South, I'm telling you. That's no. What I'm saying. Trying to share a meal, you come in here shooting. What's wrong with you? <laughs> uh, I think you need to be throwing as a biscuit. Put <laughs> <laughs> some butter on that biscuit. That's all I care about. <laughs> Uh, no, but I think 100%, man. I think that scene, it helps to build and like, um, and I want to get into this next. It's kind of who our favorite characters are. Um, so since I'm on this tangent, I'll just go ahead and start. It builds to this how how powerful and how just ominous Darth Vader is. Yeah, it just builds to his like his mystique and his yeah, awe. Like, who me, is this guy? There's no character in Star Wars that trumps Darth Vader. I mean, I, I collect Darth Vader stuff. I have tubs upon tubs of Darth Vader toys. Statues, busts, the not. I, I love Darth Vader. And I think it's because like he's just that. Not, not Anakin, because Anakin's a whiny bee. But Darth Vader, hey, seven-foot-tall hey. robot, half-man. Such face, Darth Vader. Um, <laughs> for me, it's just he's the ultimate bad guy. Man. You know, he has like the ultimate tragedy story. And, you know, and he's and he's not and it, it, and that is the one. And when we had the pre the prequel episode, it's really people hate him. But for me, it really expounds on how why he is the way he is, how he built to that 
why his mindset is to that spot. Like to me, it's like depression and anger and angst and then like just despair. And all of that is built into Vader, you know? And of course me being who I am, I'm a voracious reader. I think I've read minus the newer things, but up until before the sequel trilogy, I've probably read nearly every Star Wars novel. I mean, I was a ridiculous reader as a kid. And um, getting so much more backstory on Vader and so much more just information about Vader, it only built my, just almost, I won't say obsession, but my love for the character. You know, he's such a tragic character. Who they just do a good job if you haven't read the uh, the Marvel mm-hmm. comic series about him. They get into a lot of stuff where he meets people and uh, where they're like, yeah, we know, you know, this is when Queen Amidala and uh, Anakin saved Naboo. Yeah. It's like a bunch of cool stuff. The first time he goes back to Naboo, it's pretty neat. If you haven't read it, you should read those too. I've read the first series, but not one about that. I like, I just, and those also show to how awesome he is. Yeah. Like, but there's little things like, and you, you learn this more from reading, like having that box on his chest in the dead center. It's like a target because that's what makes him breathe. So if you hit this box, you can kill Darth Vader. But he's basically saying, come get it. You know, yeah. like, <laughs> like he's, he, he's taunting you to come do it. You know, he, it's really cool because in, in the newer stuff, they've added all these like, uh, like different like Jedi hunters. What do they call them? This, uh, inquisitors. Yeah. All these inquisitors. But originally the person who hunted down every Jedi was Darth Vader. It was mm-hmm. it. It was Vader in the 501st. He was like, okay, cool. And normally he'd tell the 501st not to interfere. He fought Jedi one-on-one in the books every time. Like He's just like, all right, what's up? And sometimes he got messed up, but he still ends up winning in the end because he's determined. You know, he's that ultimate character who's taken so much just, you know, the loss of his, the, his one true love and like the loss of his, not motivation, but like his dream. You know, ever since you find him in the, in the prequels, you, you learn like he wants to be a Jedi so bad and he wants to please Obi-Wan so bad and he wants to be this Jedi master like so bad, but he lost all of it. You know what I mean? Like, and his mind gets twisted and turned and he was the cause, the catalyst for all this but at the same time he still feels that you know what i mean and i think you see that so much in vader like there's so much under the, the surface and of course it wasn't just the movies that made him my favorite and i'm getting a little bit off just the original trilogies it's mostly the book but um yeah for me he's my all-time favorite star wars character there's no one will ever trump vader i got some seconds but nothing like that we'll you know i always lead. thought uh... Go ahead. I always thought once I watched the prequels and looked back on the original trilogy that what Anakin wanted, you know, even more than being a Jedi was freedom. Mm-hmm. He was a yeah. slave and he wasn't just a slave. He uh, he was pretty much controlled by the world around, you know, and then he becomes a Jedi and realizes that that's almost just as controlling. And then so he of course he gives in to Palpatine. Of course that allure of the Sith gives in. And then what happens? He becomes a slave to the machines that keep him alive. So he's never, ever gotten true freedom not ever and you learn in the books that Palpatine did it on purpose he put him in like not state-of-the-art robotics and nothing is he did not want Vader to ever surpass it so he puts him in things that is not as he puts him in a weaker body but then you see throughout his determination and just sheer will that Anakin becomes what he becomes you know what I mean like he is I don't even to this day I don't think in a straight fight the Emperor could have taken him and I think that's why he does it you know you learn some cool things in those like in that comic because they always talk about, well, the Emperor is more powerful than he can do Force Lightning. And Vader can't do Force Lightning because he doesn't have any freaking hands. But he does, like, this crazy lightning ball, like, static, huge charge around his body because he's so strong in the Force. that I think he's, like, light years beyond the Emperor in sheer Force magnitude, even without limbs. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. He can't do Force Lightning. I always Lightning. assumed the Emperor held him back. Oh, he did? Out of fear. 
Yeah, you you learn a lot of that in the comics and the books that the Empire purposely held him back. He never wanted him to be. He never wanted the Emperor Vader to do what this the Rule of Two was meant to be. And, you know, the Rule of Two you're supposed to have a, a, a apprentice that builds up to surpass the master. Palpatine never wanted to die. He wanted to follow in his master's footsteps, and and we see that in the sequel trilogy how he wanted to find a body to transfer himself to. He didn't want to die. He wanted to do because you know they talk about the midic Florians and all that nonsense. And Anakin becoming like this perfect being in the Force. Well, I mean, the Emperor wanted the same thing. I'm gonna make you awesome and then transfer myself to you. And then he got whooped bad by Obi Wan because you know he gave up the high ground. Dummy. And then uh, <laughs> the Emperor lost his perfect vessel. But he wasn't going to waste what he had. I mean, you had like the scariest being in the in the galaxy. It wasn't the Emperor. No one was scared of the Emperor. They were scared of Darth Vader. You know what I mean? Like, eh, no one was really we'll, afraid we'll lead, of the Emperor. Well, that'll just lead right into my favorite character yeah. ever. <laughs> it's Emperor Palpatine. Everyone was scared of the Emperor. Well, nobody's scared. You read it in the books. I mean, everyone's scared of Vader too. That's that's without a doubt. Yeah, but, but were they scared? Of the nobody Emperor stood up to the Emperor. Vader. No, but were they scared the Emperor was going to send Vader after him? You know, I like, mean, maybe. Like, like but at weekend, the same time, nobody talked up to the Emperor, not even Vader. The Emperor yeah. was top dog. Nothing in the trilogy would have ever happened if he didn't allow it to happen. It's true. It's true. He, he was, was the mastermind behind everything. He you know, may I mean, have created Anakin. Maybe. Nah. Plagueis did that. Come on, son. He, well, I mean, <laughs> Plagueis doesn't exist anymore. True. Just well, like, a myth. Me and, like, me and Steven talked about that this weekend. Like we were talking about like back in the day, how like all of them could run around and talk smack to everybody and no one would ever mess with them because I was there. And it wasn't because, and not even to say they couldn't handle themselves. And the same thing happened to you a lot. If we went somewhere like a show or something, no one harassed you. You're my little brother. You know what I mean? So was Except it the same thing? that one thing? time Steve-O did. Well, yeah, because it's Steve-O. But um, <laughs> is it because, like the Emperor is definitely powerful and scary in his own right. And I think Vader did fear him, but more from a psychological, like, you've beat me down mentally. Oh, yeah, hand-to-hand combat versus Vader. Physicality. Vader would have beat him for sure. But I wonder but if people really He didn't need that. Because no one The Emperor knew. was way smarter than him. He's yeah, but, smarter than almost everyone in the in the entire Star Wars canon. No one really in the galaxy, other than few people, ever saw the Emperor's power. But no one knew that uh-huh. he was a Sith Lord. They just called him the Emperor. So they, I think like in, were... the, in the novelization of Revenge of the Sith, I know it's a prequel in the book, but they talk about him being, um, they describe him as the embodiment of living shadow when they come in to arrest him for being a Sith Lord, and then he proceeds to kill all of them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Trust me. Not... So yeah. the, the way he moved and the way he looked, it was it was otherworldly. You see some of that fear in uh, Jedi. I think it's in Jedi when Vader is telling the captain to get the the, the second Death Star built, and the guy's giving him shit, and then he's like, "Well, the Emperor is coming," and the dude just changes his attitude, just like, "Yes, sir. I will. We'll double down <laughs> our our efforts." You know, like he's talking shit to Vader, but even the mention of the Emperor, and he, you know, basically soils himself. Even Tarkin talks shit to Vader. Yeah. Well. Yeah. But if you read the book, though, it's because the Emperor told Vader to do whatever Tarkin said. Yeah. He put he put Tarkin in charge of Vader because I, I really feel like. It was almost like, like Stephen said about that slavery thing. Vader was mentally broken by Palpatine. Oh, for sure. So, oh, yeah. like, he had been Absolutely. manipulated since he was seven. Yeah. So for him, oh, yeah. for Palpatine to say it was like almost an, abu- an abusive relationship. Like you know how you see people talk, they talk about like you know I've seen you know women want to fight someone who's trying to keep a man from beating them up. You know what I mean? Like it's like don't you get off my husband? Like he was just beating you to death. What is wrong? Yeah, it's like textbook yeah. grooming yeah. to an it's, abusive relationship. Yeah. 
it's the same thing. But I feel like a lot of that, and it's funny, and you get more of it from the novelizations and the books. A lot of those people who talk to Vader that way, it's because the Emperor would punish Vader by making him subservient <laughs> to other people in the Empire. Like you, you have see, to be yeah. talking says. You need to know your place. Yeah. It's like, oh, you didn't kill yep. that. You didn't do this right the way I wanted. Now you're targeting the control of you for right now. But I think it even goes to show, like, I think even Tarkin, who would talk tough, knew that he, Invader, even had a smallest inkling. I mean, he chokes the one admiral at the table for no reason. Just like, oh, really? Well, huh. He was running his mouth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He like, deserved it. Oh, the, the force is some hokey religion? Go to sleep. I mean, yeah. he, he I mean you got to choke somebody out once in a while. That's <laughs> the rules of life. He kills that one admiral across space on the yeah. video screen. He's From like, another ship. You're yeah. the admiral now. You're just like, what? And then, you know what I mean? Because I, I, I don't know. I just feel like, and I think you're probably right. I mean, the Emperor, they're probably on par. But I feel like in, in a hand-to-hand fight, which is not the way of the Sith, so the, overall you're right, the Emperor was I mean, stronger. yeah, knowledge of the Force and just Force ability, Emperor's better than him. He probably wouldn't have been if he didn't get all his limbs cut off, yeah. but Emperor's better than him. Hand-to-hand combat, no. I mean, he might be able to. We don't really get to see the Emperor fight hand-to-hand a whole lot. You see it in the cartoons. Like they, the, I think they try to make him more. He's pretty powerful. Yeah, but, but even in, Anakin even was in, really good. Anything you read about the Emperor, it even talks about he was never a lightsaber duelist. He was more of the espionage, the behind the scenes. Like yeah, he, he had, was a politician. Yeah, the ability. But like yeah. you know, that's why like he always picked someone who was stronger in that. Like Dooku is like a master fencer. You know what I mean? Like a master of a lightsaber style. So he picked Dooku. You had Darth Maul, who used was a master of a double-sided lightsaber, which no Jedi had seen in a thousand years or something crazy. You know what I mean? So obviously, because Qui-Gon was a beast and he cut him in half. So I think, I think he was picking people who were strong to fill in his weakness. Because what the, the whole movement of Shadow, that's a Sith power. He used that on them. It's something not yeah. even they could have prepared for. It wasn't his no. normal day. That was like They were not ready for that at all no. he had he had to use a lot of force for that all right well me and billy have decided who our favorites are obviously before we get into an hour-long <laughs> argument over who's stronger uh still vader but whatever uh who's your favorite Stephen? uh well you you guys know it's han solo and that's just i'm a you know i'm a cheesy kind of guy you are rebel scum <laughs> i'm proud rebel scum uh, i love a lot of the characters and there's no it's not like han solo above and beyond it's just for me because i think i identify with han solo when i look at a guy who you know he goes in in a new hope and they uh, infiltrate the death star and he's trying to call back to that dude and be like no every, everything's okay we're, we're fine and he's just stumbling over his words he's How not you? the coolest yeah he's not the coolest action hero of all time that's perfect in every situation he's me you think I ain't going to be stumbling or running around a corner all crazy trying to shoot at people and then them chasing me back, you know? Because yeah. Bob knows I will bite off more than I can chew <laughs> a lot of times in my life because See, I will rush a crowd and, and Han, be like, wait a minute. Han had Chewy. Yeah. All right, we'll get him. I mean, <laughs> it's just the, the, far, the more the films went on, the more when I was watching them, for me, Han was the hero. You know, like like I just watched him and, and to me, the, the film's – played through his eyes and even the sequel trilogy for me bob was that you were both there actually when it happened and i may have cried just a little bit when uh what happened happened i don't want to spoil anything because they are they're not super new but when oh, kylo did what kylo did yeah, yeah like <laughs> i was not ready for that i was ready for him to be in all three sequel trilogy and i was ready for like hey, you know you know though, second- like i mean he wanted that in the third movie so i mean he got he finally got what he wanted harrison wanted yeah. that in in jedi yeah he was he was over it. But. He was he was the only 
not sure character to return for Jedi. Like Lucas did not know if he would come back. Yeah. Because I think he wanted him to kill kill Han Solo off off screen. He didn't want to come back because he'd already done Indiana Jones. I mean, he's like, I'm Harrison Ford, dude. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't need this movie anymore. You know what I mean? He even says, for him, after finishing A New Hope, it was like, cool, all right, now I can get real work. You know what I mean? He never wanted to be like this sci-fi icon. He was like, no, now I can do real real movies. So, yeah, I mean, it's... I'm glad he came back. Man. Oh, totally. <laughs> On the Rebel side, he is probably one of my favorites. I mean, but if it, you ever think about it, like, if you take the core four, like, you've got an incredibly strong force user with a lightsaber. Leia is a princess with innate force powers that you don't really yeah. see, but you kind of see a little bit like in Empire. And then Chewbacca's giant strong dude. He's the physically and and, and overall power was the least but he's never the last one into the battle because he's, a he's like i got y'all he's like yeah. he's like, like the-, the moment han shot first and i will take that to my grave <laughs> i was like that's my boy right there he didn't wait on no crap there wasn't no talking you know talking his way out of it he was like oh this is gonna end badly well i'm gonna make it end badly uh, no, he knew better than that he was smarter he shoots there was no first. talking oh, yeah. your way out greedo oh. was gonna shoot him out of the table he's oh, like yeah. <laughs> you did and to me that's the one change that I really do hate because I think that kind of set up his character. Like, like Billy said, he knew what Greedo was going to do. Yeah. So not only does it show that he's smart, it shows that he's willing to do what he's got to do and that he's not the squeaky keep clean good guy, you know? I think the no. only reason why they did that was because of all like the, he probably would have taken it out altogether if he thought he could have, just like how they did the guns out of E.T. You know what I mean? Like, it was like, ooh, we want the good guy just murdering somebody. But like you said, and that's why in the newest cut, they shoot at the same time. Like, they edit it again. Yeah. So yeah. to make it to where Han really does kind of, come on, son. But Which like, is palatable. Like, yeah, I, sort I accept of. that. I mean, let, let yeah. me get into this for just a second. If Greedo is a bounty hunter, how the hell do you miss from two feet away if you're not just getting shot? <laughs> He's a Ain't terrible bounty hunter. It's the most nonsense thing ever. Like, oh, guess what? Yeah. I'm going to blast you under this literally two feet away. And I totally missed, dang. And then you shoot me. No, no. You missed because you just got blasted in the chest slash jump. Maybe the stomach. I'm not, you know, whatever. And you're dead. And your arm just shot to the side. Not because, <laughs> look at me, I'm Greedo. I'm with you. I hated that oh. edit. That and adding adding uh, Jabba the Hutt in the hangar bay, I thought was kind oh, of yeah, silly. Oh, yeah, stepping on the tail. Yeah, that was, which honestly, though, really lends itself to Han just being a, like, devil may care. I don't give a crap. I'm literally going to step on the toughest gangster in this whole sector. Yeah. And be like, even I get bored sometimes, Java, come on. You know what I mean? Like, he wasn't, he was scared, but you never would have known he was scared. He's just like, come on, dude, whatever. Yeah. I'm going to step on your toe and show you that I don't give a shit. Nothing. Also, kind of a little side note as to why I think Han, I've always been tracking Han. He drives an old beater. That you gotta like beat on the dash sometimes, <laughs> and you know before the car got down. That's all I ever had, and I That's had true. some gold dice hanging in the mirror quite a few times on cars where I'm like, "Come on, you can do it," and hit the dash, and it works. <laughs> yeah, you can get me to the gas station. I know you can. <laughs> hey, I feel you on that. All my cars have been beaters, even until I was like a grown adult. <laughs> like, come on, son, please, just get me to work. Do it. It's like shake the prettiest, yeah. which has got it where it counts. Yep. Fastest hunk of junk in the galaxy. Right. <laughs> yeah, I made the castle run into a parsec. Oh, man. Yeah. That's another good so, thing yeah. about Star Wars. There's so many quotable things. So many. Oh, man. Oh, man. At least, to say. Oh, that's that's something Sarah said when uh, we hung out with you, I think, the first time. She was like, 
I love that you guys literally speak in movie quotes and 90% of them are Star Wars. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I, it's, like I said earlier, it's such an impactful film, you know? Um, and this kind of gets into the, the last point I really wanted to talk about, especially with the two of you. Just kind of like how how the, the original trilogy impacted your life, you know? Um, growing up, now, just what... And you don't have to get into crazy sappy details i mean i don't know i might cry or something you know but <laughs> just how did star wars make an impact on your life um for me it's it was just such a big part of our childhood uh just being sucked into that fantasy sci-fi realm you know you were always older than me uh but that was one thing we could always share uh, just having that relationship with you as my brother where you know if all else turns to shit we always got the wars i mean for just watching the original trilogy you know as as little kids and then being able to go see the prequels in the theater together, and the sequels, and the spinoffs, and uh, two celebrations together. It's, uh, it's had just a huge impact on our lives. Where I, I mean, my, I got my little man cave basement that's dedicated to two of my favorite things. Half of it is wrestling, and the other half is all Star Wars. 100%. What about you? Stephen. I'm at that. I'm 41. So I was born in 78. And Star Wars was the first movie for me that was more than a movie. I mean, I can't other than and you guys know but some of the, some of the people might not other than Dirty Dancing. <laughs> there was not a movie that had an impact on my life until I was much older. Oh my God, could you imagine yeah. that a cast Swayze as Han Solo? I've thought of that. Now I've said <laughs> that's the only acceptable substitution ever. Uh, nobody puts baby in the corner, huh? I'll pull blasters on Greedo. <laughs> I mean, I could, I could have seen him. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he probably could have played a good Han Solo. Oh, totally. For real. Yeah. Totally. So I'd have bought yeah. it. crazy but, Swayze. But yeah, so I mean, I just some context. I grew up in the deep rural South in Alabama, in the middle of nowhere, and. uh Mostly my choices of of things to like were like country music and and country stuff like farming and I mean we did we didn't have a lot of stuff and Star Wars was like this gem that I got to ha- I got to have and I got to enjoy and like my mom enjoyed it which was a great way for us to bond and then it was probably as I was in my early teens when I moved down into town and I was wearing a Star Wars t-shirt which was fairly rare in the early 90s and I met my friends that were would become my, my friends my little group at that point until I moved up here because of that shirt because we were they were like hey you like star wars and i was like you like star wars and we were like yeah 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 okay and we just knew like maybe the only four or five kids in middle of nowhere alabama that actually liked star wars and we found each other so i got to have be part of something and then we went on to play D and you know i actually felt like i belonged to something that i might not have ever known because of star wars and then the same thing happened when i moved to louisville pretty much by myself didn't really know anybody and i met bob and i think within Probably the first night we hung out, we got to talking about Star Wars and, you know, now he's my hetero life mate. So, I mean, really for me, Star Wars is about connection. When we go to Celebration, you guys saw that. I mean, Star Wars fans, there, there's some toxic fandom Star Wars fans out there. But generally, if you're walking down the street and you see somebody in a Star Wars shirt and you're wearing a Star Wars shirt, there's a connection. Yeah, always. I think they're, yeah. most of them are only toxic because they're so passionate. You know what I mean? They're just, they're just... Yeah increasingly passionate people who just happen to also be dicks. I think a lot of them are more toxic online because when you meet a lot of them in person, they're like, I hated the prequels, but I like to watch them sometimes. Kind of guys. I think it depends on who they're around. I'll be a people like, I hate the prequels. I'm like, well, I think they're pretty okay because blah, blah, blah. Well, yeah, you know, when you say it like that, you know, I'm like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, To me, any Star Wars is good Star Wars. I like it every day. 
You know what? Oh, and yeah. I tell everybody that. Everyone's like, oh, I hate these new movies. Yeah, you know what? I can pick them apart. But in the, it totally leads into some of my how it affected me. I can take my kids to see those movies. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. You know, for me, and to kind of piggyback on what Billy said, I mean, you're my little brother, and we grew up with that whole, our dad thought everything we liked was stupid, <laughs> you know, into mm-hmm. the podcast. <laughs> but that's something, like you said, we shared. We had lightsaber battles in the backyard, and, you know, we whenever we get a chance, like, can we get this toy and whatever, can we do this? And, you know, mom, can we rent Star Wars again? You know, and our mom was always accommodating. So we got to see those things. And it's, for me, it was, oh, like, like you said, it's always something I could share with you. And I, I got our little sister into it. And I felt like it was something that like, I liked that you guys liked as well. Because you always going to have that, oh, you're my little brother. That stuff you like is, is really stupid. Why are you like, like you like Pokemon? That's the dumb. <laughs> uh, but like you know what I mean because I, I, you know, I'm, I'm like four years older than you so I was you know into yeah, Pokemon Pokemon was past your time man exactly it was past my time but Star Wars was before both our times and we just yeah. kind of made it our own but you know and but there's so much so much more for me you know because I don't make friends very well I don't make friends very easy um, people and not even to like sound like I'm tough or anything because I'm not but people are usually intimidated by me and, and don't want to approach me you know they don't approach me but I'm honestly I'm like a gigantic nerd I mean, figuratively and literally I'm a gigantic nerd <laughs> um, I mean god I have a Jawa costume and a Mandalorian on the way but you know I, and I think like so for me I got my original best friend I got my little brother we had something that no matter what we could not talk for five years. But, hey, man, you want to Star Wars celebration? You want to go? Uh, yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> and then, uh, and then Stephen moves here, and I meet like in some cases, really the only friend I have that's not like related to me. You know, like I know if I need something and I call you, you're there. You know, you were that friend, and uh, that's all because a lot of it strength and that those that camaraderie. It was built on other things, but those initial steps those initial like foundation was built on a common love for star wars it was something we had in common that we could discuss and build upon and talk about and argue about characters like nah what about this you know and and (laughs) theories and you build that up and it helps you become that uh just build that strength you know like um like billy knows and you know too i joined a uh an online social media social club like which was kind of stupid but all that aside i met these really amazing people in it you know people that i will probably be friends with or at least socialize with for the rest of my life you know um they live in canada i don't see these people i see them at star wars conventions but we talk every single day you know like hey man what's up how's this and all that's because of star wars you know oh yeah those guys are awesome huge impact on my life you know and um i've always had the disadvantage i guess or also the advantage of living in my head a lot and star wars let me have a whole open world to imagine and to take my my ideas and build upon them and all of it comes from my love from star wars it showed me the potential of the imagination when you know um, growing up in Kentucky with um, a mechanic dad who's you know we're like the quintessential working class family our dad is like a deer hunting fishing hillbilly yeah he is straight doot 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 <laughs> greatest man I will ever know in my life but that is just that's sure. who he is um you know, he'd give you the shirt off his back and, and, and you know, button it up for you if you need him to. But those kind of things are not on his radar at <laughs> all. You know what I mean? And um, and our mom was so open to us expressing ourselves, using our imagination. And our dad was like, no, we're going to go deer hunt and you're going to do work and you're going to be a dirt, 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 like me, like Billy said. Um, and that let me get away from that because that's not who I was, you know, and I was more like my mom. And Star Wars really gave me an outlet. It gave me a way to see that I can do this. This is awesome. You know what I mean? It gave me something to love. Like, my first real love of anything that wasn't like a person was Star Wars. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so awesome. Oh, yeah. And then, like, sure. the prequels came out, and I got to go, because you know, we didn't get, we didn't have that going to the theater to see it. We grew up seeing it on VHS. But we got to go see it in a theater 
on those prequels. And then we got to go on the sequels and we got to go for the shoot offs and we got to talk about the shows. And it just really, for me is, you know, it's, it's that thing, you know, that one thing you have in your life. Some people have sports, some people have cars and some people have, you know, hunting like our dad, um, for me, it's Star Wars. You know what I mean? Like, like Steven said, you can see some dude in a Star Wars show. You're like, oh, hey, what's up? You know, there's something you have, you have a connection because it's so, so, such a huge fan base. You know, I'll never forget talking about Celebration, the one the three of us went to together when they dropped the, the trailer. Um, for Last Jedi. Yeah, Last Jedi, I think. Yeah. Or was it Last Jedi or was it The Force Awakens? It was Last Jedi. It was Last Jedi. Walking through and everybody stops when the trailer yeah. drops. It was literally, it was 100, 150 people yeah. just stopped. In one, yeah, one big oh, crowd. It was more Just like, the whole crowd moved together. 150 people. It was 250,000 people who just stopped. <laughs> I don't know where you were at. I was yeah. in the middle in the, in the concrete. You were in the middle everyone of Everyone just stopped. And I'm like, luckily, being six foot ten, I'm head and shoulders above everybody. And I'm watching it. Everyone else is just, it's a whole mass of people who all have the same love. And we're all watching this screen. And we all experienced it together. Yeah. And it was crazy, you know what I mean? I mean, it's all of it, from the music. Like, another thing at that celebration, getting to hear John Williams play the Star Wars theme live. Oh, my God. I mean, I just got a coach up, you know what I mean? Like, like I did, uh, yeah, I was fixing to say that exactly. We didn't even get to see him, but, you know, we got to hear that stuff. It was also the first time Harrison Ford came to one. Exactly, and he walked right past us. And I'm just like, yeah. that's Harrison Ford and George Lucas right there. And again, being tall, I can see over the security guards. I'm like, <gasps> it's Harrison Ford and George Lucas. <laughs> or seeing Warwick Davis, or meeting Ray Park, or Mark Hamill, and uh, Billy, you've been to more celebrations than me because you know I didn't get to go to that one I bought tickets for. <laughs> I'm just a little salty about that, um, but you know the last small celebration. But uh, whatever, I'm not gonna. Have I, my I was much appreciated. It is the one and only time I got to meet Carrie Fisher. I know, and I never uh. got to meet Carrie Fisher because I bought tickets to celebration and didn't get to go for poor planning on my part which is it was also much different it was a much different atmosphere i bet that that celebration was uh pre-disney buying them there were no sequels that wasn't even that happening i think the clone wars cartoon was still going on but that was it like i have walked up and i talked to d bradley baker uh who was a voice in the clone wars he did uh, captain rex i talked to him for half an hour about the new iphone because there was nobody in his line. Like, you could just walk up, and the only people you couldn't walk up and talk to were, like, Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher. Yeah. But all the other people were just at tables by themselves. You just walk up and talk to them. It was crazy. And then we go to the one that, you know, the first one we went to all together, where there's millions of people there. Yeah, and you're in line for, like, six, seven hours for stuff. It was crazy. I know. I'm still a little salty. I didn't get to go to five. That's (sighs) <sighs> but you know that's my bad my bad it was very similar when me and steven went to, and we saw uh peter mayhew and billy d there was no one in their lines they were all in yes. line for a power ranger i'm like you're trying to meet you're 25 deep in the green in the green rangers line this mf goes to every convention ever you got billy d williams right here and peter mayhew right billy there. d williams people and people <laughs> poor poor billy d is talking to people who are in the line for the Power Ranger. I'm not lying for him. Yeah. So I'm like... I mean, to be fair, he's not the Power Ranger. He is the well, Power Ranger. Hey, you know what? It is I Jason mean, David Frank. It's still a He's Power a nice Ranger. guy, but... But well, he ain't Billy D. Williams. So exactly. Well, my <laughs> thing about it is, is like, he goes to like almost every convention. He does. He goes to a lot of conventions. 
So you can come back in next year, and you're going to meet that dude again. Because I promise you, he's going to be in Lexington again. Billy D wasn't there the next year. Peter Mayhew mm-hmm. wasn't there the next year. So that was like awesome. I'm like Peter Mayhew. What's up, man? You're tall. I'm tall. We should be best friends. I mean, to meet those two at the same convention for us was huge. And not mean, be a Star Wars convention. I'm like, why are you Kentucky number one? Oh, I remember oh. the drive back. You and I basically were girls. Like, <laughs> I don't want to say girls. That's, but you know, we were children about it. That's a better term. Yeah, we like were like literally movies. cackling. And like, yeah. this is where he touched my hand. Did you see where he touched my hand? And I tried. Getting to meet these people was just I tried intense. so hard to bring a Colt 45 in. They wouldn't let me. <laughs> yeah. I was like, look, man, I'll dump it out. I just want to have Lady Williams autograph a bottle of Colt 45. They were like, <laughs> they were like, no, sir, we can't. We can't allow you to bring that in. I was like, this is garbage. It's Lady Williams. <laughs> I was so mad. Oh, I was so mad. I mean, cool, me, cool. Getting me to Emperor is probably my top. Hey, that was awesome. It, it's there's nothing yeah. that's going to beat that. But the other, I think if I had to pick a top three of everyone I've met, like meeting Carrie was awesome, but you know, being a, a young man as I am, Princess Leia was never my favorite. Yeah, uh, she was really cool to meet, but I mean, that bikini, it was though. meeting Warwick Davis. I'll get top for me. Houdini. <laughs> and uh, I'd probably get a lot of slack for this. I was most excited at the last, not the last one, the second to last one we went to, to meet Hayden Christensen. I was hey. so excited to meet Hayden oh, Christensen. No, I mean, I'm, sad I, I'm sad I didn't do that with you. It was the first time he ever went to Celebration. He had one never class. been to one. Yeah. And they posted his uh, tickets up, and it literally sold out within minutes. And then they posted more, and I luckily got one. I know. I wish you'd have bought like, a group thing, not just by yourself. I'm not going to lie. It's going to be dangerous. <laughs> but I definitely bought those tickets while I was driving. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I got to do it right now. <laughs> I missed it. Like, that celebration, honestly, thank goodness for the woman that is now my wife. Because I, again, had poor planning and had no money to go. And she gave me money to go. We had been dating for, like, a month. And she gave me, like, a, like hundreds of dollars to go to Florida for celebration. Because well, she knew it was important to me. Thank you, Aaron. I know. And now... That's yeah, why I, that's why I married her right there. That was the decision. Right there. That was fun. I mean, even like going back to the memories part, like those memories for us, you know, all three of us getting to go watch the movies together and then talking outside the theater for two, three hours about what we just mm-hmm. saw. And then uh, getting to go to celebration together and driving down there. That was some of the most fun memories I've ever had. Also, you know, oh, yeah. getting, getting to eat cookout for the first time. Yeah. Cookout. Uh, when we stopped at that hotel and swam in the pool, uh, I still laugh about calamitous memories. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> that is still one of the funniest things to me. I don't know why it was so funny, but it was. It just is. It, it, was, it was a good time, man. I and mean, that's what Star great Wars time. is. You know what I mean? Star oh, Wars yeah. I mean, is, that's. It's good times. It's camaraderie. It's friendship. It's. Um, I mean, it helped. Sarah and I had only been dating, what, a year at that point? It, not even a year. That was like the summer we really started. Yeah, it was dating. still fresh, yeah. Yeah, and we like, we still talk about that to this day. She was like, I mean, she basically piled in the car with. I mean, she knew you guys a little bit, but mm. you know, we should. I'd only met her once. I was a little salty. She was taking pictures at a at a wrestling show I went to. You both were. You were there too, yeah. Yeah, we were filming. So it was uh, for Terry Harper. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I love Sarah and all, but I was a little salty you brought her because she walked so slow. <laughs> <laughs> I left you guys a bunch of times. I was like, I, <sighs> my legs are four feet long. I can't stand here and wait for you MFs to catch up to me. I'm going. I just disappeared. <laughs> It's just, so, it's just so uh, massive. There's so much stuff to look at there. Oh, yeah. Gosh, yeah, her and I were both slow because, like, both of us were like, oh, my God, look at this. Look at this awesome thing. I think that's the advantage like, I have of being tall is I've already seen that thing. <laughs> that's Yeah, that's what it is, really. <laughs> From, like, 20 feet away. I don't think that. I'm moving on. I'm moving on. Oh, I'm going to see this other cool thing. And the cool, like, being in the 501st and, like, knowing those guys, I was always talking to people I knew and, uh, in the you know, being in the, the Black Death Crew, like, that little online social club I was in. I was meeting all those people for the first time and like meeting like, you know, Jason and Christian and my buddy, Aaron, who got me in, who moved from Kentucky to Florida. Um, super solid dude. Um, he was all like hanging out with him and getting to reconnect. And then also in person connect with people who have the same love as me, man. Like the whole thing is about yeah. star Wars. That's it. Meeting a lot of really, really cool people. And, you know, a lot of times I appreciated a lot of those people too, because, you know, a lot of times, you know, when I go hang out with you, I've always, you know, I'm the little brother. Yeah. And they're your friends. So they don't really talk to me as much. I've noticed a lot of people other than, you know, Steven. Uh, but every one of them was super cool. They all talked to me. They didn't exclude me because I was your little brother. Which yeah, no. Cause it you, happens. We all met them at the same time. <laughs> but they were uh, they were great. Those were cool people. The 501st oh, and the BBC were great. I'll say, like, Christian, Christian and Jason um, – both were in that crew, uh, not anymore, just like me. Two of, hands down, the most solid people I've ever met in my entire life. Like, I really feel like they're the people who would give you the shirt off their back if you needed it. Like, you know, last celebration, um, and, you know, we were going up there. We lost our, our uh, Airbnb because Airbnb sucked. And uh, I had nowhere to stay. I had tickets. I had nowhere to stay. You found a place. I couldn't find a place. My buddy Jason literally is in the hotel. The, con- the convention's in. It's like, hey, man, uh, I'll crash on the couch. You can have my bed. And that was that, you know what I mean? And there was no other question, nothing, no, no discussion. Just, I mean, it's cool. Uh, me, and, me and the guy I'm bunking with said it's no problem. Obviously, they're Canadian. They're way nicer than most of us American people. Yeah. But, <laughs> but they're just solid people, you know? And I met them because of Star Wars. You know, if it was not for Star Wars and this group of people who had the same love, I wouldn't know these super awesome dudes. Like, you know, Christian, again, he's literally probably one of the most solid people I met. If I ever go to Canada, he's like, dude, you can have my bed. I'll sleep on the couch. I have a place to stay anytime I ever want to go to Vancouver because I know these people who are amazing. You know what I mean? And I met them because of Star Wars. And I don't see, they live in Canada. I've literally only seen them in person two times. But anytime I've seen them, it's hugs. Like, because I was buddies with Aaron, I'd have thought I knew these two guys my entire life. You know, like, you know, me and Jason had, had the whole beard thing in common. We talked a lot online. Um, you know, having big beards and stuff. His is way better than mine, though. He has, like, the most perfect gray beard I've ever seen. Um, but, you know, it was just, we were friends, man. We had a lot of Star Wars conversations. What's your favorite character? What do you feel, how do you feel about this? Oh, man, did you hear about this? You know, and those kind of things. And I think that helped Billy a lot, too, because you had that same love. So it was like, we're all meeting these people for the first time. There's no, like, oh, well, these are my bros for 20 years. It was like, oh, man, I just met this dude. This is my brother. We're cool, right? And, yeah. uh, you know, it just worked out, you know, and it was such a good time. Like, that was probably, I really enjoyed the last celebration because, you know, I got to go with you again and my wife was there. But that first one was, it was something special. The first one was epic. Yeah, it was special. It was a good time. Yeah. The drive back was a little daunting. <laughs> Did we drive like 13 hours, 14 hours? It was a long time. It's a long time. It's a long time. Sarah saved us all. I'm, a, I'm not going to lie. Y'all didn't know this because I think y'all were asleep. 
I was like dozing off at the wheel and Sarah hadn't slept. And she was like, I got this and drove the rest of the way back with no sleep while the three of us were like dozing off. <laughs> like, hey, you know what? Thank God for it. Because if I was yeah. driving, we'd have died. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Y'all would have been dead. I was like six Red Bulls in. I was shaking and my heart was racing, but I was asleep. I was sound asleep. <laughs> but it was totally worth it. Should I, mean, I fall asleep during the, the day? Best experiences. The day. It really was, man. Like, from getting a hotel that on the map looked way closer to not to being a hundred miles away it seemed like and like you know we, of course there were some bad ones too the whole Delray Thrawn pin thing we're not gonna talk about but that yeah, was pretty getting the pins and then of course a member of the BDC super stand up guy just gave me his at the end it was like I think you want this more than me and I was like I really do and uh, <laughs> I think there was some there was tears it was ridiculous but yeah, man, you know, from buying patches, buying pins, comics, toys, hats, buckets, you know, costumes. It's such a, just the all-encompassing fandom, you know? Yeah. There's yeah. music, there's movies, there's TV shows, audiobooks. Honestly, I mean, we're, it, it means so much to us. And, you know, I even have to give a shout out to our, uh, our wives who understand how <laughs> much it means to us. Yeah. And uh, yes. I know you're going to listen to this and I love you, Amber. <laughs> I spent a lot of money at that last celebration, <laughs> and she didn't say nothing. <laughs> I don't know what the person's autograph. So luckily, I took my wife, so she was just like, "I'm like, well, Amber was there, but she didn't go to the convention with us. Yeah, she wasn't there where the money was being spent. Mm-mm. I'd be like, "Hey, Aaron, this thing looks really cool. Maybe we should get that." And my wife is super down. She's like, "Uh, yeah, we need that. Like, this picture is dope. Can we have this?" She's like, "Yeah, uh, we need that. That imperial jacket <laughs> that I bought, I wore twice. I know." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I got, wasn't. I got bigger. I got to slim down a little bit. <laughs> I wasn't gonna see anybody at that celebration because money was a little tight, and uh, Sarah made cut some corners and made some things happen, and surprised me with the uh, the Ray Park and the Alan Tudyk uh, stuff. So yeah, they uh, meeting Alan Tudyk was awesome. Oh yeah, for him to be like, yeah, that was like, awesome. You can call your mom. Like I Facetimed my mom. Cause she loves Alan Tudyk. I think it was cool. When was I, walked, like, I walked in, he went, whoa, you're K2 size. And I was like, oh, yeah. my God, I love you. <laughs> I think the best part for me in that celebration was because of my, you know, my Bell's palsy in my eye, we got to take photos with everybody twice, which was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, oh, you blinked, come back. I'm like, oh, dang, yeah. I did. Let's do that yeah, again. We were like, it, not only did I get to meet the emperor once, or no, yeah, when we took a picture with him, not only did I get to meet him once, we got to meet him twice because they thought you blinked. Yeah, come back again. I'm like, <laughs> okay. I ain't going to tell nobody I got Bell's Pauses. Let's do it again. Do it again. Uh, I'm all for it. It was hilarious. All right, guys. I think we've talked about this, uh, the OG trilogy enough. What do you guys think? I mean, yeah, we uh, we covered a lot of bases. I think yeah, this might I mean, in, in real life, we talk far. about it a lot a lot more. But, yeah, I think we yeah. – Well, man, I'd like to say thanks for being on our show this week, Stephen. It was awesome. Yeah, we appreciate you. it, man. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. We all share such a strong bond with. It was awesome to be able to come on here and have you talk about it. You know, it was um, – for me, like I said – if I'm Chewy, you're for sure the Honda that Chewy, so I appreciate having you. And Billy can be Luke, I guess. I guess that makes me Luke. <laughs> <laughs> or a bunch of scruffy nerf herders at heart, even though me or, I mean, in part until we die. Or it could just be Billy D. I don't oh, think you're, yeah. you're not that smooth, man. You're not that smooth. <laughs> <laughs> there's only one Billy D, I'm sorry. Hey, uh, no, there's for sure two Billy Ds now. Yeah. There's, there's two Landos for sure. That's, you know, yeah, I'll agree. I'll Don, agree. Don Glover is. He is. He I'll killed it. He's he, ta- he tapped into some of that Billy D 
you know, juice. Yeah. Yeah. They probably went and got some with you. Tell me how you did it. Say, like, well, it's <laughs> a Colt 45. Check his Colt 45. Go do your lunch. <laughs> All right. But uh, yeah, man. So I guess, yeah, guys, like I said, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. It was, uh, it's been awesome just, just talking about Star Wars, which is something we do on a regular basis anyway. Um, yep. But now we've recorded it. And, uh, <laughs> all right, guys. Well, that's our show. I appreciate you all listening. And uh, yeah, may the force be with you all. Yeah. And remember, uh, yeah. hit us up on Spotify and Apple. Subscribe and follow all your favorite podcast uh, distribution centers. I want to give a special thanks again to Belushi Speedball uh, for the use of their song, The Bleeps, The Sweeps, and The Creeps for our intro and outro music. Um, yeah. And yeah. Special thanks to George Lucas for having the imagination and the uh, the creativity to come up with Star Wars and, you know, inspire multi-generations of fans and haters alike. <laughs> for sure. All right, guys. See you next time. We'll see you next week. Tune in next week. Same dumb time, same dumb shit.